I'm Erica LaCasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be talking about the Feast of First Fruits. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the Messy Messianic podcast. I am Erica LaCasse, and today we are going to be talking about the Feast of first fruits and i'm super excited to talk about that i don't know about you but here in north carolina the pollen is fallen and i am suffering from severe allergies but praise god i am breathing and i'm able to speak with you and i have also just come home from california i was unable to announce that i was going to california because my sister bought me a ticket my mother just celebrated her 70th birthday. Hi, mom. And happy birthday to you once again on the 23rd of March. And so I wanted to, and it was really hard to keep it a secret, but we kept it a secret. So that was her present, um, pretty much from Dina, my sister and I. So I was in California for a whole week and I got to spend time with my mother, my father, my sister, my nephew, and my aunt Carla, who is also there in California. California is a beautiful state. I'm not super excited about their politics, but that is for a different episode. And um, just had a really blessed time. Got to go to the beach. um, Got to see a seal up close and personal. That was really fun. And we also went to a lovely little town called Solvang, which is based on another, I believe, Danish town, and it's built like that as well. So all of the buildings look Danish and um, had a great meal. It was fantastic and just really enjoyed my time there. My Aunt Carla gave me a facial, which was beautiful. She is a professional esthetician, and that is the one time I get to, uh, I guess, pamper myself. I enjoy when my Aunt Carla does it for me. She always does such a fantastic job. Um, But that all being said, I am back here with you and I am going to talk about the Feast of First Fruits, which I thought would actually be a really quick episode until I started doing some research on this. And it actually is a little bit more in depth than I thought it was going to be. Um, I thought it was going to be really quick, especially based on... um, my lovely complete guide to celebrating our Messiah and the festivals by Susan Mortimer that you know that I refer to all the time. Um, Cause she only has about like a page uh, front and back about it. And it talks more about um, the background of it and what's the date for this festival and talking about the difference. Uh, there's a huge, I guess, disagreement between um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Karaite Jews, um, didn't know that that was even a thing. Obviously, um, they talk about the, how the first fruits were used. What is the spiritual application? Excuse me. And, um, a blessing that you could say on the first fruits. So that being said, I'm actually only going to read a tiny little part from my complete guide, which is shocking. I know I've been using it so much, but I also was doing some homework and research online. Um, As most people who are close to me know that I love to do, well, I don't want to say love, but I do like doing my research. And I believe that before you can really talk about something, you probably should do your research. The problem is a lot of times once I've done my research, I've forgotten about 
my research in about a day because that's how my brain works. Now, if I could find a lovely website that did research in musical form, I probably could remember everything, but I have yet to find that. So that being said, I'm actually going to be reading a portion from a website called wordofmessiah.org. I actually was going to read from a different website, but I decided I wasn't really excited about their wording and the way that they were saying things. It's really hard to, to, I'm even hesitant to even read anything, especially when you find it online, because obviously I'm probably not going to agree with everything that is said on this website. Um, but it, what I, where I found it was Messiah and the Feast of First Fruits. This is written by Sam Nadler, and I'm not going to read it word for word. I'm going to probably do an abridged version and maybe um, in my own words. But um, I know I already talked about the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so the third spring feast that I'm going to talk about that are literally, they are back to back. They they go together is the Feast of First Fruits, and how Yeshua, he has already fulfilled all of the spring feasts. It's the fall feast that we are still waiting for him to fulfill. So we're going to go into, as you know, I like to read the um, Tree of Life version of the Bible. And the first area that they are we're going to discuss is in Leviticus 23, 9 to 14. So if you have your Bible, please feel free to read along. Honestly, it'd be kind of interesting to see if you're reading from a different version, like the Amplified or the New King James Version or the King James or Complete Jewish Version, whatever, um, what the differences are in these different translations. But my translation um, is Leviticus 23, 9 to 14. And it says here, um, Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to Benai Israel and tell them, when you have come into the land, which I give to you. And reap its harvest, then you are to bring the omer of the first fruits of your harvest to the Kohen, so the priests. He is to wave the omer before Adonai to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Shabbat, the Kohen is to wave it. On the day when you wave the omer, you are to offer a male lamb without blemish, one year old, as a burnt offering to Adonai. The grain offering with it should be two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil an offering made by fire to Adonai for soothing aroma. Its drink offering with it should be a quarter of a gallon of wine. You are not to eat bread, roasted grain, or fresh grain until the same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. So that last part tells me me what exactly. Um, We're supposed to continue following this statute and this command uh, forever, forever and ever and ever. Um, Unfortunately, we tend to uh, forget to do those things or it's lost in translation or we read it uh, as, oh, well, this is one of those things we don't have to do anymore. So let's get into that and see, okay, do we really need to do this? So the Bible talks about two different first fruit festivals. The first is Passover, and the second is 50 days later on Pentecost, or Shavuot in Hebrew. So during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and at the end of the Sabbath, which fell on Passover, people people were delegated to go into into different barley fields after sunset and get different samples from each field. The barley for the Passover first fruits offering, Rashit in Hebrew, 
was laid together in a sheaf, which is an omer, which you see written here in the Bible that I just said, and brought to the court of the temple. There the grain was winnowed, parched, and bruised in a mortar. The next morning, after some incense had been sprinkled on the sheaf, the priest waved it before the Lord towards the four different points of the compass. He then took a part of the grain and threw it into the fire of the altar. Once the offering was accepted, the remainder of the harvest was then acceptable before God. So that's Leviticus 23, 11 to 14. So that's just a portion of what I read. So we know already that Yeshua died as our Passover lamb. And through him, we have redemption and forgiveness. And if we go even into, actually, there's quite a few different places I wanted to kind of read today, but um, that's, you can find the, the answers there in John 1, 29, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. There's actually quite a few different verses. The Feast of First Fruits, Fruits is observed the day after the Sabbath of the Passover week, which we read Leviticus 23, 11. So early Sunday morning, when the priests in the temple were offering up the first fruits of the barley harvest, our Messiah and high priest was raised from the dead, offering up himself as our atonement, and in so doing became the first fruits of the rest of the harvest of believers in him. Therefore, Paul writes, which you can find in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 23, let's see, what does he say? 20 to 23, but now Messiah has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also has come through a man. For as in Adam all die, so also in Messiah will all be made, be made alive. But each in its own order, Messiah the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Messiah. Then the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he has destroyed all rule and authority and power. That actually was 20 to 24, just in case you were wondering. Um, so I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about Messiah and him coming. And also, you know, what I read was talking about, you know, Sunday morning. I know there are a lot of uh, disputes about the different days because if you, if you can do math, um, Sabbath is, is Saturday. So if, he had Passover on a Saturday. He couldn't have possibly risen three days later and it'd be a Sunday. Um, therein lies one of the arguments. Quite frankly, I, I don't find it that important. It's not a salvation issue, but um, I can understand why there is that argument because that's why a lot of people say that Easter um, is a thing. And that was the day that he was resurrected. Um now, you could have, I guess, Passover in the middle of the week. I'm not 100% sure. I would actually need to talk to my husband about that. I'm sure he's shaking his head right now listening to my podcast because I should know this. Um, but like this week, it was funny because I remember my mother saying, um, how come, you know, it's so weird that Passover this year is doesn't coincide with Easter. Like, Because a lot of times, a lot of years it does. Um, but this year it just does not. Like we literally had Passover... Um, I think the 28th, 27th, 28th, um, of March. And then Easter, I think is this upcoming weekend on Sunday. I could be wrong because I don't follow Easter. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure about that, but it, like it says, even in this, um, this, I don't know, I guess 
this writing that this guy I'm writing, I'm reading from the Word of Messiah Ministries, it says the yearly festival of Easter, after much historic debate, came to be observed by the Western Church in connection with the spring solstice and not in accordance with the Jewish Passover. Every so often, this can also lead to confusing results. For example, what I just gave you, basically, like this year's a great example. They do not fall at the same times. Um, in other words, Messiah's resurrection was observed four weeks. Oh, because they give an example that it fell at the end of March. Easter fell at the end of March and Passover did not arrive until the end of April. So a whole month later. So in other words, Messiah's resurrection was observed four weeks earlier than his death, which is crazy. So obviously you can't separate the observance of his death from the observance of his resurrection and expect to make any biblical sense out of it. So it's, it, it is little wonder that the Jewish people find it impossible to relate to Easter celebrations from a Jewish perspective, because there shouldn't be, there is no correlation, quite frankly. Once again, I encourage you, please, please, please do your homework on Easter. That was the first uh, celebration of tradition that I actually did my research on and where it comes from. And I was literally physically disgusted by what I found. So please, please, please look that up before you go and buy yourself some eggs for your children to go find candy in and talk about the Easter bunny. Please do your research. So if Messiah's resurrection is identified with first fruits, then it can be seen in its proper, proper biblical context. So it has proper biblical meaning and it becomes the witness that scripture intended it to be, which is so weird because you really don't hear too much about the Feast of First Fruits, um, probably because it's from Leviticus and Leviticus can be a really difficult book to get through. And ironically, it is my husband's favorite book in the Bible and it drives me crazy. But you know what? God bless him anyways. Um, <laughs> we know that he died as our Passover lamb. We've already been over that, right? So we want to go over to 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. For I also passed on to you, first of all, what I also received, that Messiah died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Kepha, or Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to Jacob, then to all the emissaries, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. This is obviously Paul speaking when he's talking about he appeared to him on the road to Damascus. So then, um, you know, we already discussed 1 Corinthians 20, 20, 20 to 24, basically, you know, Yeshua is our first fruits. So we no longer have to go into the fields and give a grain offering because Yeshua is now our first fruits. So just as first fruits was celebrated only after entering the promised land, because if you remember Leviticus 23.10 discusses that, you will observe this. Oh my. So I'm sorry. I'm looking literally at my Bible. I'm, I'm not just like, oh, she's looking at her phone right now. No, I'm actually not. Um, I do have the version app, but I, I really do like to um, look at the Bible when I can. I can. So, so yeah, it says, yeah, Leviticus 10. I'm sorry. 2310. Speak to Benai Israel and tell them when you have come into the land, which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you are to bring the Omer or the first fruits of your harvest to the Kohen. So it wasn't while they were in the wilderness. 
So Messiah's resurrection looks to life beyond this wilderness journey of struggle that we are all living in. This resurrection life cannot be understood while in the bondage of sin. In fact, it wasn't until after first fruits was observed that the new growth of grain could be eaten. So they had to do this particular thing for first fruits. And I actually just had to take a cough break right there. So I apologize. Um, so Yeshua is our first fruits, right? It, they couldn't even eat the new growth of grain until the, the first fruits was observed. So likewise, it wasn't until after Messiah's resurrection that believers could fully partake of the new growth, growth, even the new life in him. It was only after he had been raised and ascended to the Father that we received the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, which we can read in Romans 8, 23, right? And actually, I'm going to read Romans 8, 22 to 27. So it is, For we know that the whole creation groans together and suffers birth pains until now. And not only creation, but even ourselves. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Ruach, the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption, the redemption of our body. For in hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. In the same way, the Ruach, who is our first fruits, helps in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Ruach himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Ruach, because he intercedes for the Kedoshim, or the saints, according to the will of God. So not only did Yeshua die for us and then was raised again and proved that he was the son of God, but he also gave us a helper and he was our first fruits to help us when we are struggling and we are in pain because of life. First fruits gave assurance that the rest of the harvest would be accepted. So go back, Leviticus 23.11. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord for you to be accepted. First fruits is a type of our Savior's resurrection, which guarantees our eternal hope in Messiah. The waving of the sheaf sanctified the whole harvest. Messiah's resurrection is proof that God accepted his sacrifice for our sins and that the rest of the harvest is accepted in him as well. How amazing is that? That God would give up his own son to live as a human being, to struggle just as we did, for him to die, for him to rise again, and for him to be our first fruits before the Father so that we can come before the Father. That is awe-inspiring to me. And quite frankly, I did not truly understand the significance of this feast until I started doing my research. People, we've got to get better about this. And obviously, I'm speaking to myself here too. But we've got to get better about actually looking into the Word of God and doing our own research and not simply relying on what is said behind the pulpit or the bima. Um, this is This is entirely 
the crux of the matter. It is so important for us to be able to do our own research and to have a true understanding of the word of God. It is really and truly awe-inspiring to me that that is exactly what he did when he fulfilled the Feast of First Fruits. Now, if the in Romans eleven sixteen it says, if the first fruit is holy, so is the whole batch of dough. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Honestly, we can get even, you know, into even more of that. Um, but as we look over at the Passover week, which we've just, you know, observed, we see the work of God for his people as he reveals our need for salvation and provides assurance of eternal life for those who trust in Messiah. So think about that as we're finishing up with celebrating Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of First Fruits. Let us be sure to exalt Messiah as our first fruits of the resurrection and to share with others the good news of the new life that we have in Yeshua Messiah. The three truths of the three feasts. It shows three truths about Yeshua. Passover, he died on the cross on this day. Our Passover, a Pesach lamb whose blood saves us. The Apostle Paul, or Shaul, says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, For Christ, Hamashiach, our Passover, a Pesach lamb, has been sacrificed. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, HaKamatzah, his burial began this day. Since yeast, or hametz, is symbolic of sin, unleavened bread, matzah, is a symbolic is symbolic of being sinless. Jesus or Yeshua is the only man who never sinned. In Hebrews, we learn about his sinless life. Hebrews 4:15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. The feast of first fruits. Yom Habikurim. He resur- um, he resurrected from the dead. The resurrection from the dead began on this day. The first of many to follow. Paul, Shaul, calls Christ Hamashiach, the first fruit of the resurrection. Christ, Hamashiach, has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. So something I've already read to you. So it's just, so technically, I know my husband's going to argue with me about this. Passover, Pesach, does not end until Pentecost or Shavuot, a little over seven weeks later. In the same way, the saga of Yeshua's resurrection did not end until he sent a comforter similar to himself as his replacement at Pentecost, Shavuot, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. How amazing that all of this just ties in together. He's telling us these things in Leviticus. So, I don't know, like 5,000 years ago, right? And he's telling these things to Moses and he's writing these things down. And then you fast forward to Yeshua over 2,000 years ago. And he's fulfilling everything that was said in the word, in the Torah. And to me, it's just awe-inspiring. You know, to me, that is proof. God knows what he's doing. 
Adonai knows what he's doing. We may not see the end product, but Yeshua certainly does. And the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, is there to guide you each and every day. I really want to say, like, you know, I was actually talking to my daughter about this. You know, in Psalms, a lot of, at the end of a lot of Psalms, I'm not sure if it's in every single uh, translation, but there's a word there called Selah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that means stop and think on these things. And for me, learning about these feasts and what they mean, that's what I hear the Spirit saying. Stop and think on these things. Stop and see what your Creator has done for you and is still doing for each one of us today. Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the Aaronic blessing. It's the oldest blessing in the Bible. And you could find it in number 6, 24 to 26. Is Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Ba'ashem Yeshua, Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you have a blessed week. I'll see you again next Monday. As always, you can reach me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can leave me an email at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E as in Echo, E as in Lima, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, the number three at ProtonMail.com. You can also leave me a voicemail message on anchor.fm forward slash Erica LaCasse should take you right to Messy Messianic Mama, the podcast, and then there should be a button that you can leave a message for me. It is only a minute long that you can leave one, so make sure that it's short and sweet, and I look forward to hearing from you.